I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Lead us to repentance. And rebuild us. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, God is rebuilding you. I didn't add any extra comments back there. Did I mention that I won the ch- Oh, okay. <laughs> so I saw that. <clears throat> With our team and our league that we're in, that's that's a pretty good feat to win that thing. So, Brian, any update? I forgot to ask. Any update on your situation? <laughs> Holidays. Himself. Okay. All right. But on the doctor here on his end, everything's looking good. Fantastic. Isn't that great? God is good all the time. God is good, and all the time. There we go, that's better. We're in a new series to start our year off. First Sunday of the new year, 2015, we have 51 more to go. We can do a lot of great things this year, or we can just stay the same, or we can regress. It's up to you, amen? It's entirely up to you. And so... Loving God more, I mentioned that last week, loving God more, it would be a desired goal for each of us. Now that can take a, that's a broad brush. That can take a lot of different fill in the blanks. But the bottom line is if I love God more, it's going to affect everything that I do. True? Amen? There we go. So I was looking at a way to kick our year off and thinking about I'm praying about a direction I want. I felt God leading us into from Scripture as a church. And Nehemiah comes to my mind and came to my mind. I began to pray about that. At the same time, uh, Don Baker introduced me to two books. One is called The Harbinger, and the other one's called The Mystery of the Shemitah. This one, The Shemitah, it'll just blow your mind. Because it, it, it deals with, well, it just will. It'll just blow your mind. This one did the same thing. Now, I'm not promoting both of those books over the Bible at all. But it's interesting. The gentleman that wrote these books is a Jew. And so he captures Israel's position and what caused them to get into trouble. And I thought, of all things for God to lay on my heart, to be to start this year to preach about, I get introduced to these books while I'm praying about this series of Nehemiah. God rebuilds us. So we're going to look this month 
And then Sunday school, we're going a little bit deeper. So I want you to come at 9.30, having a great study time. Today we, we kicked it off in good shape, but we want you to come be a part of that. We have, uh, we have donuts and coffee every week, and uh, we have classes for all of the kids. So come and be a part of, of what we're doing. So Nehemiah, God rebuilds us. And there's a big idea that I want to convey to you. And we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 1. And I also want you this year, more than any other year, to start using this. What is this? Hey, there you go. It's the Bible. I know for some of you it's new. <laughs> it's a Bible. I want you to carry yours, open it. If you use an electronic device with your Bible on it, that's fine. Because you can highlight. Because there's things I'm going to have you... Circle, highlight, underline, and I want it from your Bible. So be sure and get your Bible. Go ahead now and open to Nehemiah chapter 1. Because we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 this morning. But the big idea of today's message is this. Repenting of sins is the foundation of God restoring one's life. Repenting of sins. Now, we don't hear much about repentance of sins in our day and age. Because it's always someone else's fault. Have you noticed that? The economy's bad. It's George Bush's fault. Wars in Afghanistan. Iraq. You know, I mean, just listen to whatever news you want to listen to. Police being killed in New York. It's, it's, it, we're, we've gone crazy. We've absolutely gone crazy. California, state of California, giving driver's license to illegal folks. It's better to be able to find them when they have a wreck with you, somebody said. I thought, wow, that's justification. So I can find them? You see, repenting of sins... It's part of the reason that this book, The Harbinger, is so important. Because what the writer did, Jonathan Kahn, what he did, is he took Israel's position, especially in the book of Isaiah, showed how calamity came to the nation of Israel, and rather than respond in a position of repentance, they rose up under their own strength. And said, here's what we are going to do. <clears throat> Parallels America in so many ways. Because the nation of Israel, that's why God uses them throughout Scripture to teach us how we're supposed to live. So when you, when things go bad, when things go south in your life, it's not about the strength you have to overcome it. It's about your ability to get back on your knees before Almighty God to get direction for changing that life, you see. Well, let me set the stage for you a little bit. The Jews had spent several decades in exile in Babylon. God caused the Persian king Cyrus to decree that they could return to their homeland to rebuild their uh, sacred temple. 
About 50,000 people returned to Jerusalem at the time. Now, they were in exile because of disobedience. They were under bondage because of disobedience. So, after they arrived, they built an altar and they joyfully worshipped God. And when they started rebuilding the rest of the temple, the Jews were threatened by local people who had settled in the city. These opponents turned the Persian authorities against the Jews and frustrated them for 15 years. But the work on the temple was finally begun again. And during the reign of Darius I, through prophetic encouragement of Haggai and Zechariah, Persians fully supporting this rebuilding of the temple. Sixty years later, give or take a year or two, Ezra scribe brings a group of several thousand pilgrims back to Jerusalem. And before long, he learned that some of the leaders and priests had married wives who didn't worship the God of Israel. Disobedience. Ezra saw that God would punish the people and there'd be another exile to follow. Ezra prays an emotional prayer confessing their sin. And then some began to agree that that intermarriage wasn't the right thing to do. Fast forward to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is willing to leave a comfortable job as assistant to the king of Persia in order to help a demoralized people in Jerusalem. His new and by the way, he didn't grow up there. He'd never seen it. But he loved his God and he loved his people and he understood what it meant and how to get restoration in Jerusalem. Nehemiah's work was not just with bricks and mortar. He mediated financial crisis, initiated religious reforms, and helped Ezra by reorganizing civic responsibilities in Jerusalem. But Nehemiah demonstrated, don't forget this, Nehemiah demonstrated that with faith, prayer, integrity, and God's help, Heavy on the fourth one. God's servants can succeed. If you want to overcome an issue in your life that you're facing today, prayer is the number one focus you should have. Getting God involved in it's the most important thing you can do. And then He expects you and expects me to put legs to that prayer. See, it's one thing to pray. It's another thing to put legs to the prayer. Amen? God, I need to stay away from the buffet line. Then don't go to the buffet. God, I need to drink more water. Drink it. Don't just walk by it. Skip the pop. Skip the coffee. Go to the water. Drink water. Drink water. Drink water. Drink water. The doctor told me, he said, I want you to take two Lasix pills a day. Now, that's a lot of Lasix. That's a lot of water that I get to lose. So if I'm going to lose it, i got to put it back in there. But the most amazing thing is that when I follow His instructions, how much better it works. 
Isn't that funny? It's like, men, it's like when your wife tells you to do something. Sooner you do it, the better it is. Amen? Can I get an amen from the men here? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, right, let's get back to Nehemiah there, preacher. Okay. Well, let's talk about their condition. Nehemiah, how Nehemiah found them. Starting verse 1, verse 1 there in uh, chapter 1. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I just love that name, Artaxerxes. In fact, if I had a chance to have another child, I'd name it Artaxerxes. I don't know. <laughs> Call him Art for short, right? <laughs> King Artaxerxes reigned. I was at the fortress of Susa. Now, that's an interesting fortress. You ought to look it up sometime. Daniel spent a lot of time there, this fortress of Susa. Verse 2, Han and I, one of, the, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. That sounds about right, doesn't it? <clears throat> See, somebody you haven't seen them in a while, what do you do? Hey, how's it going? Isn't that what he just did? How are things going on? How's it, how's it, how's it going? Well, we've got all kinds of phrases we use nowadays, but that's what he says. How's it going? How are things going? Verse 3, they said to me, Nehemiah, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. <laughs> That's not necessarily how you want the conversation to start, is it? How are you doing? I'm dying. I mean, basically, how's it going? Terrible. Had a car wreck. What's that, what's that song, or what's that sign that, uh, Lost dog, has one ear, one eye, three legs, goes by the name Lucky. (laughs) Things aren't going well. Underline this phrase. They are in great trouble and disgrace. Now, I'm not sure how your translation puts that, but that's the the phrase where I'm at. They're in great trouble and and disgrace. Those don't sound too good, do they? The wall, circle that. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. Underline that. Torn down. Been torn down. And then underline this phrase. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now stop and think about, one moment, a great city. In Nehemiah's mind, he had this great city wall of Jerusalem. He was convinced that it was impenetrable. It represented strength and stability. The foundation was strong. And he gets word that's been destroyed and torn down. How does he respond? How does he respond? In verse 4, when I heard this, I sat down and, would you circle the word wept or underline it, highlight it in your Bible? He wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. 
someone encouraged me to add a song to our message today. And I listened to the song and I couldn't agree more how appropriate the song is. Now, it's done by a person back in the 80s or late 70s, I think. But listen to the message of the song. Uh, Hopefully Jeff can bring it up and, and we can hear it. first chapter and a whole message, really. But four things he did there in verse 4. Take a look at them. He wept. When's the last time you shed a tear about not only your own sin, but about the sin of your 
family, the sin of your church, the sin of your nation. Over 357,000 babies were killed last year by one organization called Planned Parenthood. That was their annual report they made public. Over 357,000 abortions done by Planned Parenthood. Now, I don't know about you. It's going to be hard to find a God that's going to bless a nation that kills its babies. So when's the last time we wept about that? When's the last time that we really struggled with that within our... You know, that's just one thing. He wept. Nehemiah sat and he wept. And then for days, he went deeper with the remorse. It says he mourned. What type of mourning? It's that, it's that mourning, that groaning, that, that deep aching about the sin that he was aware of in his beloved city of Jerusalem. Fasted. Fasting is when you give up something to focus on a spiritual moment, a spiritual event in that moment. For most, they do a meal. They'll forego a meal, a breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And then during that time, when they're feeling hungry, they're focusing then in prayer. I'm going to call us to some fasting this year. And I pray that you will join me in some of these times of fasting this year. Because I believe that God needs us to deepen, to go deeper. We've, we've just scratched the surface of what God can have us do individually and as a church corporately. But good things can come anytime we do the things that God's called us to do. So look at the condition. Look at the response. I mean, he's weeping, he's mourning, he's fasting. And then he says he prayed. But he prayed to the God of heaven. Wept, mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Until you get God involved, fully engaged. It's going to be hard to find success. It's going to be hard to find victory until you get God there. Now, does that mean that we do nothing? I said earlier, we've got to put legs to those prayers. Amen? If, we're, if we get a diagnosis from a doctor that we have a medical condition, we should trust His judgment to treat it as well as the healing power of God. Amen? I have type 2 diabetes have for over 15 years. If I didn't take care of it, I probably wouldn't be here yet today. If Angie hadn't done the treatments and she wouldn't she wouldn't be able to smile like she does and know that there's a victory yet in Bryant, right? Diagnosed of blood cancer. Wow. Up until that I'd never really heard of that, did you? That's okay. Well, praise the Lord. Okay. We'll we'll take that as a praise the Lord. 
Okay. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Let's let's pray right fast. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the wonderful report we just received, and pray, Lord, that you'll give Sherry safety in her journey. Father, she'll be able to reunite those children with her dad. And uh, Father, we just uh, pray your hand be upon all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for those of you that don't know what all that's about, she's a grandmother and her grandchildren. Um, there was a, a divorce and the, the birth mother has decided she was going to take the kids, I guess, and keep them. And so they've been kind of in hiding and God's opened some doors after doors to find them. So praise the Lord. They've been since um, August, yeah, about five, six months, they've been... Uh, hidden out so um, yeah that's right that's right right so it's uh, praise the Lord answer to prayer now Nehemiah responded the way that all of us should respond but I want you to see that he put legs to his prayer and there's four things that he did four things he did Call it Nehemiah's next steps. Every every week I encourage you to take a next step, don't I? And, you know, I, I know that you might think, well, he just puts stuff down there, you know. I mean, he's just got to fill the back of that card. No, I'm doing it for a reason. Well, some of the stuff's on there week after week after week. That's right. It's like the guy that went to preach a revival and he got up and he preached John 3.16, the first message of the first meeting that they had. Second night, Third night, fourth night, John 3.16. Got ready uh, to close the service and shaking hands at the door. And a guy walked out and he said, Preacher, you've preached John 3.16 every night. I said, are you going to bring something different tomorrow? He said, once you learn John 3.16, then I'll bring something different. So see, we put repetitive things in there for a reason. It's to get you to, to think about them. That's why we put Scripture in there every week. I want you to memorize Scripture. Be memorizing Scripture. And most of the Scriptures that I put in there have something related to the message we're giving you or the series we're in. But Nehemiah took some next steps. Four of them. Number one, he gives praise to God. He gives praise to God. Verse 5, Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, <clears throat> the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of unfailing love with those, here's the condition, who love Him and obey His commands. Who love Him and obey His commands. Underline that in your, in your Bible. Those who love Him and obey His commands. It's so important that we learn to praise the Lord. And we praise Him through obedience. Now you may be like me. I like to get in the car and when I'm driving, I, boy, I get the music going and <clears throat> I can sing as good as any of them when the windows are rolled up. Amen? You've been, you've been at the stoplight, right, waiting and boy, the old guy next to you, this old head just a bopping and a bebopping. You'd hate to have him roll down the window and hear him not sing very well. But boy, they're into it, aren't they? They got their eyes closed and their heads are going and hairs are flipping and whoo! That's the way it ought to be in church. Amen? I mean, if you, if you could sit still this morning while they're playing that opening song, there's something wrong with your heart with God. Man, 
That's good stuff. That's good toe-tapping stuff. So grateful that Tina can be here and play the drums. Isn't that great? And that Phyllis, you know, when she gets, I call them Pentecostal fingers. When she gets them fingers going now, it's just, it's just get out of her way. I wish she'd turn them loose more, but she kind of, she's reserved over there. I just love it. Just love the music we do. Love all the kind of music we do. We give you both sides of it. So you don't, you can't say we don't do hymns. Yeah, we do. We don't do contemporary. Yes, we do. We do it all every Sunday. In fact, you get more of the hymns than you get of the contemporary. Well, give praise to the Lord. All right. Second thing he did, second step he took is he sought the source of deliverance through repentance. Verse six. Circle the word, first word. In my translation, it said, listen. Listen to my prayer. He is asking God to listen. Now that's pretty bold, isn't it? For a man of God to say, listen God, I'm trying to talk to you. Like God's not going to listen to you? He probably has heart failure every time he hears any of us talk because we don't say much very, very much to him, right? God, listen to me, Nehemiah is saying. Then he says, look down and see me praying night and day for that new chariot I need. Look down and see me praying night and day for the Dallas Cowboys to win a playoff game. Night and day for your people, Israel. You see where the focus was? The focus was not about Him. The focus was on others. God, would You respond to the people of Israel that I'm praying for? Night and day. And then look what He did. He understood I confess that we have sinned against you. We, meaning the corporate body, we have sinned against you. Yes, and then he takes it personal. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Verse 7, We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through... Your servant Moses. Now some people have said the Ten Commandments aren't in force anymore. When did they go out of force? Somebody explained to me when the Ten Commandments quit being principles to live by. Well, Jesus died on the cross. And when the Pharisees challenged Jesus to one of the greatest commands, what did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with... Come on. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first five commandments. Then he said, love your as yourself, which is the second five. Five and five, how many? And how many commandments? Yeah, eleven if you're a preacher. <laughs> Counting from, as I grew up in Texas. Five and five are ten, and I believe that's all the commandments that he gave us in Remember Cecil B. DeMille? <laughs> Wrote them on. Yeah. 
So the principle of the Ten Commandments has never changed, never gone out of style, never has quit. In fact, if we all lived by those Ten Commandments, the world would be a lot better place, wouldn't it? So, Nehemiah understood that we have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. So he understood deliverance through repentance. Then the third step he took was to remember the consequences if he didn't change, but, oh, I love the word but. Verse 8, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, here's the consequence, I will scatter you among the nations. That's where he was. He was in the scattered position. Verse 9, but if you do what? What's your Bible say? If you return, if you come back to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. So the key is, if we're not faithful, we'll be scattered. Now you might say, well, he doesn't scatter us to far reaches. Oh, he doesn't? When your finances are in the tank, it scatters you. When your family relations fall apart, it scatters you. When your children are fractured, it scatters you. When things aren't working right at work, it scatters you. You got it? It scatters us. When we have personal hidden sin, He does what? He scatters us because we can't keep our mind focused on the right things. But if you return to Him and obey His commands and live by them, Good things happen. Young people, if you would just do what your mom and dad tell you to do every day, things would fly better for you. Amen? Come on, young people, raise your hands. Amen? And all the parents say, and all the parents who were on the front row like you are when they were your age would give me the same response that you just gave me. What's fun is when you turn 25 and go, man, they were right. But don't tell them. Number four, the fourth thing that he did is he saw God begin to work. You see, once we take steps and we do the right steps, then God starts to move. And when God starts to move, everything changes. Everything changes. Verse 11, O Lord, hear Please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. And then he asked him specifics. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put into his heart to be kind to me. In those days I was the king's cupbearer. You see, it's important that he began to set the stage for what God could demonstrate and show his hand at doing. He had prayed, he had set the stage, he had done the repentance, he had done the mourning, he had done the weeping, he had done all the preparatory work to see God begin to work. Because you see, in tandem, God begins to work. 
He's not going to work without you. Well, he will. But he wants you to come alongside him. He wants you to be with him. It's like when you have a need in your life and you come to Geneva or you come to me and you say, Oh, pray for me. Well, we'll pray for you, but how about you pray for yourself? In faith, trusting God. Oh, my prayers don't get through like yours do. Really? Well, I guess I could fold my arms and say, well, you're probably right. <clears throat> and if I was in the Catholic Church years ago, I'd say, give me a couple hundred bucks and yeah, God will take care of it. That's what they did back in the day. See, your faith needs to increase. Your walk needs to deepen. How do certain people have what you consider to be deep prayer lives? It's because they're deepening their walk. Well, you can do the same thing. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And this could be your year of breakthrough spiritually in a way you've never seen before. If, if you'll come back to Him and if you'll obey Him and if you remain humble of spirit. What I love about this section of Scripture and this story and these passages and in the story of Nehemiah as strong and as leader-driven as he was in his position as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And at that time, I mean, that was, that was a huge job, folks. Huge. He still found a way to humble himself before Almighty God. He realized that he didn't have the strength. He realized that he didn't have the power. But God did. And so there are times when God is ready to work, God is ready to move, and we are trying to dictate to God when and where. And what we need to understand is that He has the right time. He has the right place if we'll just but submit to that calling that He has in our life. Hudson Taylor was a famed missionary to China. And I love reading about Hudson Taylor. If you haven't read about him, great men of faith, women of faith, you need to learn about Hudson Taylor. He was scheduled to speak at a large Presbyterian church in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Well, the moderator of the service uh, began to introduce him in eloquent, glowing terms. He told the large congregation all that Hudson Taylor had accomplished in China. And, and then he presented him as our illustrious guest. Well, Hudson Taylor stood quietly for a moment. And then he opened his message by simply saying this. Dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrious master. God can do great things through a humble heart. God can do great things through lives that are submitted and committed to Him. But you've got to make that first step. You've got to make that first step. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for those that are here today. Pray a special blessing in their life, God. As we begin this new year together, as we begin to take a look at the life of Nehemiah and the lessons we can learn from him, I pray earnestly that you would 
strengthen each and every person. That, Father, you would uh, bring peace in their life. You would also bring challenge into their life. And they would understand that they need to submit to you. And by submitting to you, that you can do great and mighty things. And, Father, if we've strayed, the great news is you can restore instantly. What maybe the locusts have eaten away. If we've had a bad marriage, we can be restored. If we've got a bad parent-child relationship, we can be restored. Father, if we've got sin in our own personal life, it can be cleansed and restored. You're ready to move in an instant. If we will but take one step of humility and repentance towards you. So God, we're praying today. That there might be someone here today with the courage to do that. Would you strengthen them, encourage them in Jesus' name? Amen. Stand.